The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. So this guy's, you know biking me back to the hotel and he decides to shake me down for money for no reason (laughs) right so suddenly he drives me into this like alley area where there's like (laughs) 10 of his buddies like a bunch of his buddies more trike drivers right where they hang out and he's arguing with me and i'm arguing back i'm not even thinking but just out of habit right you argue when people Mm -hmm. try to shake you down and uh he's trying to shake me down and the next thing i realize i realize that This gang of trike drivers, they're legit threatening my life. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome back to the True Fiction Project. This is your host, Renita Hora. And I have with me as today's guest, Anand Bhatt, who is the first South Asian American to walk the red carpet at the Latin Grammys. Now, that's pretty specific, so let's bring him in and get straight into it. Hi, Anand. Hi, how are you? Great to finally meet you. I got to tell you, this is actually a really cool podcast. I'm kind of excited about this uh, this interview. I mean, I do a lot of these, but this is the first podcast of this kind. This is the first podcast of its kind, and what's reassuring, and not much more than that, is that that's the kind of reaction we're getting from a lot of the people we interview. So it's great to have you on the show. Now, Anand, you are a musical artist. Tell us what kind, why and how, and how you got to walk the red carpet at the Latin Grammys. Oh, yeah. Well, honestly, I'm very fortunate for that because I am a South Asian American. My parents are from India. They moved here. I'm born and raised in the United States. And, you know, growing up, I actually played a lot of rock and metal is actually how I got my career start with collaborations with guys from 90s bands like Faith No More and Ministry and, and, uh, you know, folks like that, a lot of metal. And as I got older, I got a little more romantic, just to be (laughs) blunt. And, And I started, you know, moving more into pop music. And I also listened to, even though I played a lot of rock and metal, I love that sound. I grew up in Chicago listening to a lot of Latin music Mm -hmm. and a lot of Latin pop. And it's totally my passion. As I got older, kind of moved my solo career more and more into that realm. And I finally took the plunge and started, you know, releasing songs and recording flat out Spanish music with a style that the industry calls Latindian style, because I've got doublas and stuff going on in there. And, and, you know, like Indian beats Mm -hmm. meld really well with Latin percussion and Latin beats. I mean, and even culturally, we match up really well on a lot of themes and a lot of fun things. And I mean, both cultures like to dance and our both our music is very danceable. 
So I'm very fortunate that the Latin community really took to it. I got to meet a bunch of my idols like mm-hmm. Romeo Santos and Shakira and all sorts of fun stuff. And, you know, that the Latin music scene really accepted me, even though I am not, you know, I'm not 100% Latino. I'm actually an <laughs> Indian guy, right? That just happens to speak and sing in Spanish when Super. I feel like it, right? So. I'm actually very fortunate on that, right? And so they allowed me in, took me in their circle. And next thing you know, I'm a you know, Latin Grammy voting member and I'm at the awards and I get to do my red carpet entrance with Romeo Santos and Usher. It's just my very My goodness, exciting. I can only begin to imagine. Now, when you talk about a Latindian style of music, is that a phrase that was coined by the industry, by you? Tell us. Well, so, yeah. So the industry initially called it tropical fusion because... The industry has to come up with general categories that everybody fits in, right? And there used to be a Tropical Fusion Award. And Tropical Fusion, it was just kind of a catch-all for anybody who plays tropical music that still melds into pop. So Romeo Santos and Bachata, like Prince Royce, they all fell into that Tropical Fusion genre. And I Mm. kind of fell into that, too. Which is kind of, unfortunately for me, means I don't actually win any awards I'm up for because those those characters are huge, right? I think I was in the same category as Shakira one year, right? It's just, it's just, it's nothing, right? But as time moved on, my PR team and my, for my end, it just made, and fans started calling it Latindian, right? Because, you know, Latin and Indian, it's kind of fun for people to say, I think somebody in Colombia, I think a fan in Colombia might have initially started saying that. And then, and then we kind of took to it. And Latindian style became just kind of the moniker for everything I do from Music to food. And, and I got to ask you more about that than, you know, certainly speaking of food, because tropical fusion to me sounds like a summer cocktail drink on the beach. <laughs> but uh, before we get into that, just on the music. So do you write music? Do you perform both? I do both. I do writing and performing, and I do have other Hmm. writers that write my stuff as well. I'm not afraid to admit that most of my better songs were written by other people. (laughs) But but yeah, I do. And I think at this day and age, being that uh, the royalty rates are work differently than they did 20 years ago. So it's more so now than ever that it's important to actually write your own songs just to kind of double up on absolutely and one of the reasons i ask anand is because can we play some of your music on this show when we weave this episode together oh yeah for sure okay for sure you know we would love to do that that's a (laughs) no-brainer but speaking (laughs) of food going back to that topic from what i understand and this might be just really vaguely pieced together Somehow your (laughs) music led to a COVID YouTube show of sorts called Rockstar Recipes. How did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, it's actually on Amazon and season two might end up on Roku. I think season one is on Roku now as well, too. But it was actually an Amazon show. And that's just how you know how sometimes without any planning, Mm -hmm. some things lead to another and something completely random ensues. So... When I was on the road a lot, I noticed that uh, healthy eating and eating in general, any trying to stay in shape and trying to stay in healthy is just almost impossible. Like my bandmates would always want to go to the drive-thru and here I am packing, you know, making my own protein bars in a hotel room from scratch, trying to take them out with me. And also American food is super bland. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it just, it Don't just get me started. awful, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like we just don't season our food in this country for some reason. And so I'm always traveling around with bottles of hot sauce. I was getting super picky and bandmates would always make fun of me because I would not want to eat a cheeseburger 
right? I would I would just hate to do that. And if we went anywhere, I'd order like, you know, a salad and douse it in hot sauce, right? It was just, it was yeah. getting pretty ridiculous. So during that time, and I also noticed that a lot of my idols, like the lead singer from Motley Crue, when I met him, I did a thing with him. And I'm like, wow, this like my idols are getting <laughs> out of shape. They weren't like those totally fit, cool guys they were in the 90s mm-hmm. and early 2000s, right? Or the 80s for that matter. And they're just like, they were noticeably uh, hurting, right? And, you know, you can't rock star life, right? You can't stay up all night and then get in the morning, get up in the morning, six in the morning and start your day and your interviews and everything you have to do. It's not sustainable, right? If you're not at least Mm -hmm. eating well somewhat. Mm -hmm. And so I had penned down a bunch of my recipes that I'd use for that for basically how, you know, a bachelor living in hotel rooms could actually cook for himself, right? And it took off it to a point where it got published as a book called Rockstar Recipes. Yeah. And that landed to a hot sauce endorsement, which COVID actually killed recently because that company went out of business. But for years, I had a hot sauce, an unbought hot sauce in, on the shelves. And that was super cool. And, you know, like I said, little things lead to another. And that eventually got to me doing mm-hmm. videos, which were initially just for social media or for sponsors. Sponsors would reach out to me and be like, hey, uh, you know, we've... We'll give you a free air fryer if you plug our air fryer brand and do a video and start cooking things in an air fryer, right? So I was, I was getting more food sponsorships, even <laughs> though I'm a musician. And so I was doing those videos. And then finally, that led to, that somehow led to, during lockdown, everyone was stuck at home. And the idea actually came from Guy Fieri of the Food Network, who pivoted his show to shooting the show on premise at his house. And so that model went out. And then so what happened was restaurants and chefs all over the country would send me the premise of the show is they send me ingredients and Mm. their signature recipes and then see if I could actually make them at home from my home kitchen while we're all trapped during COVID lockdown. (laughs) And so it was it was super fun. I was getting I gained so much weight doing that. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, (laughs) you start this out as an endeavor or as an idea behind sort of keeping (laughs) Motley Crew in shape and it just like goes the other way. It totally went the other way. They were sending me the craziest stuff. And it was so good. It was so good because when chefs are sending you ingredients, like we're talking, you know, fresh seafood packed in dry ice and, you know, giant bottles of oil and (laughs) all sorts of, you know, it's not healthy. Like it's made for taste. It was super fun. It was super fun. It was a lot of work and I learned a lot. But it ended up being a, a really, really fun show and fun to watch me try to make these ridiculous recipes at home. And um, it was on Amazon. <laughs> The season one. And now we're looking into season two now to start. Again, it's a lot of work and we're switched so in the planning stage and that season two may Well, you're definitely going to have to keep us informed because, you know, that sounds like a whole other interview that we'll have to do, you know, to launch season two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of stories can be written regarding that, but yeah, definitely. But season one, absolutely check it out on Amazon, especially if the United yeah. States or the UK is very easy to access, uh, you know, Rockstar For sure, for sure. So stories, of course, that's what we are all about here at the True Fiction Project. And, you know, what we usually do is talk to the guest. I talk to you. This interview, that's what I mean by I talk to you. And then the interview is thrown out to yeah. a fiction writer who will listen to it. Yeah. So cool. Pick something up and then write a piece. I call it a piece because it could be anything. It could be a monologue. It could be a scene. It could be a full-on short story. So I wanted to ask you, with all of the things that you've done, what are some or at least one story that comes to mind that you think would make for great fiction? 
I hear you've been in some oh, wow. pretty dangerous places and featuring dangerous characters. Could that be an idea? That is awesome because unfortunately, and not planned, I guess that's one of the... Uh, it's one of the things about being a musician. It leads to very unsavory characters that actually run the industry or you get to meet out. And I'm actually taking, being that I'm Latin, I actually go to some very <laughs> crazy places and meet some very crazy people. So yeah, my life is in danger on a regular basis and against my will. I like somehow, like I am not a tough dude, but I somehow end up in these Sean Penn style situations all the time. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but I'm not even sure how. It's just, these things just kind of happen. And I have a bunch of those. Unfortunately for me, but probably great for whoever gets to write a fiction story. <laughs> right? So we will. You know what? I will tell you. Maybe I'll tell you a couple. I don't know how much time we have, but one that does come to mind. The most recent mm-hmm. album cover, there's a single I have out right now called Beat the Bullet. And if you look on the cover, it's actually me holding a gun, which is actually kind of bad time. And we have a bunch of gun control yep. stuff going on here in the States. <laughs> this album draws the picture of me with a gun on the cover. Actually, bad timing. And, I, you know, and I'm actually not a gun owner, right? I'm, I learned, I've learned from these projects that I'm actually quite good with one, but that's with an assistant cleaning it and loading it for me, right? So like oh, in real goodness. life, I'd be terrible okay. with gun, sure. <laughs> But, you know, one of these situations, I'm uh, the photo shoot for this was in the middle of nowhere in a jungle in hmm. the Philippines. And, you know, I'm having the time of my life. I'm, you know, shooting off this gun. I'm thinking I'm pretty great and looking very tough, forgetting that I'm actually, you know, a pretty boy with a gun in my hands, right? I'd probably look silly to all these people, but I think I'm looking pretty tough, right? And I'm getting a lot of headshots on this cardboard, you know, Hmm. cutout thing. And so on the way home, my trike driver, which trikes, for those of you who don't know, they're kind of like rickshaws, but man run, you know, it's a guy on a bicycle, right? It's a rickshaw with a guy on a bicycle instead of the little lawnmower engine that we're used to. So this guy's, you know biking me back to the hotel and he decides to shake me down for money for no reason (laughs) right so suddenly he drives me into this like alley area where there's like (laughs) 10 of his buddies like a bunch of his buddies more trike drivers right where they hang out and he's arguing with me and i'm arguing back i'm not even thinking but just out of habit right you argue when people Mm -hmm. try to shake you down and uh he's trying to shake me down and the next thing i realize i realize that this gang of trike drivers, they're legit threatening my life in exchange. And then as this is going on, I'm doing the math in my head. And this is the worst part. The math in my head on what the pesos mm-hmm. to dollar conversion is, is I realize I'm arguing over the equivalent of like $2.25. <laughs> <cents>. <laughs> so, so I mean, at that point, I'm like, oh, my God. Even in the middle of nowhere Philippines, that's still not going to get them anything. So I still don't know what. And they must have had to split it between the gang of them. So I'm still baffled. I was actually more offended, to be honest with you. Here's where my male ego comes in. I was more offended that this guy saw me shooting a gun and still did not think that I was cool enough not to shake down for money. (laughs) It's like, come on, shake me down, shake (laughs) me down. (laughs) How wimpy do I look? I got to, you know, you you watch me shoot a gun and you're still like, wow, this guy's a good mark to, to rob. But, you know, once I realized the dollar amount and that I am not as tough as I thought I felt after shooting a gun, you know, obviously I agreed to whatever his amount was. And then he and, that, and after that, he politely triked me back to my place. There you go. So there you go. Stupid things like that happen all the time. And I know the story my publicist always wants me to tell. This one is crazy. She's been begging me to tell this story. Well, publicly here's your opportunity. While. Go for it. And here's the opportunity, and this would be the perfect one for it, because any place else, people's jaws, any place else, this would be a completely inappropriate story, right? Like, talk about killing the mood, but this would be a great place, and I know she's been wanting me to tell Mm -hmm. the story, so, so here you go. 
And now to the premise of the True Fiction Project, which of course is to create fiction out of nonfiction. Columbia recording a new track. So I'm there for a while, I'm like at least a month, right? So I'm used to being in Colombia, in Medellin, like in pure Medellin gang stomping grounds. Like 20 years ago, this was the big place where cocaine came from, right? And now it's still run there, but the main dude is obviously no longer there. Anyone who wants the history of that area can watch, you know, Narcos. Narcos Columbia, right? right? And, you know, and that still, it still goes on, obviously, but it's a little different. Colombia's a little different than it used to be 20 years ago. Slightly. And Colombia, Medellin is the type of place where nobody will actually accept American dollars there, right? So I would actually have to do this thing where I'd have to find some black market place to exchange my money into pesos, right? I just couldn't exchange my money anywhere. And so, and in order to explain why I actually have American dollars, you know, so I don't get murdered, right? Find going to this, you know, black market gang to actually get some money. You know, I'd have to always, you know, give my backstory of, you know, I'm, I'm teaching white tourists how to dance bachata or something like that, right? <laughs> and that's why I keep getting these dollar bills that I have to like eat exchange for real money that I could actually use to eat. So I'm recording and one of these, and I'd met up with another guy who was actually an American, an American expat visiting there. I saw him just riding his bike and we were coming out of some unsavory areas. And, you know, he's like, look, I am actually for a website. He's like, I'm actually making a map of old cartel houses that are still functioning but underground, but I'm actually making like this map. It was like some project that he was doing. And he's like, you want to come along? And you know, he, his Spanish wasn't great. So he kind of wanted me to translate a little. People cut me a lot of slack. I, I don't think my Spanish is great either, but everyone's just so happy that it's an Indian man speaking Spanish, right? They're like, this is so sweet, right? Like, and you know, my Colombian fans have to be my favorite fans, right? They're just, they're so sweet and so supportive and just so happy, right? Like that, you know, you're an Indian guy speaking Spanish, you know, anywhere else, if I pull this in India, like my Hindi is not great either, but everyone just yells at me for not being able to speak Hindi, right? Like it's, it's a completely different reaction, right? And so I'm like, yeah, I'll go along with you. This sounds super fun, right? This is how I get myself into these messes, right? I'm like, this sounds really fun. I totally want to see these old cartel houses and what's going on in them now, right? Because these are unassuming mansions in the middle of town. It sounds really cool, right? So, I've, so I'm like, of course I will go along with you and see what's going on there. So we walk into a couple of these, you know, he takes his notes and, you know, he's just really marking them out down on a map. And we get to this one where we get in and some lady, some, you know, an older lady answers the door and brings us in and we start talking. He, you know, he's, you know, we tell her what, you know, I mean, we can't upfront say like, we know this is a former cartel house or a current cartel house, what's going on, right? We're just like, hey, we're exploring around and we heard fun things go on here and, uh, and we want to know, you know, we just want to look around and see what's going on, right? And a lot of the time I, I would get away with the story not being white that, because this is a common job for local Colombians to escort white tourists around and then get a commission on whatever they're doing, right? 
So a backstory that we would tell sometimes is, oh no, I'm this is my white guy, right? And I'm just showing him around. So uh, you know, and which is not that unusual, believe it or not. Or like you know, a white guy will hire like a local brown man guide, right? Just just so they would, right? I mean, it's not that unusual, especially if they want to explore outside of the touristy areas, right? Which they're not safe at all, otherwise. And so, so we sit down. She says, "Okay, great." And you know, we sit down and like I think he orders a drink or something. We play like you should buy something. They do serve drinks and drugs and all sorts of things in these places. So we're sitting there and we're just kind of talking. And you know, he's marking his notes. And in the door comes a Colombian guy who brings you know two more white guys. And so he sits down and. You know, those two white guys, one is an expat old man from Texas and the other is an Irish person. And both of these guys are noticeably drunk and high, like very much so. Very loud, very obnoxious, very stupid. So they sit down next to us and we're talking. We're just chilling out in we're inside a, an active cartel house, mind you. Right. Run by this old lady. And suddenly these guys start ordering up a bunch of stuff. They start ordering big eight balls of cocaine and lots of drinks and all sorts of stuff. And my, uh, the guy that I'm with, my white guy, and he's participating, talking, he's so happy to see other, other white dudes, right? So he's getting noticeably inebriated and he is, and they're sharing stories and being loud and they're being, you know, really dumb, right? And at this point, my brown man's spidey senses are going off a little bit, right? I get that, right? Something, something that, and I hate to say this sounds very racist. I know this is about to sound racist, but traveling white folk don't have that I'm in danger instinct. Like it just doesn't happen. They just, and I've seen it happen more than once, right? I've seen like, I've seen in Mexico, drunk teenage white girls on vacation, get drunk and start dancing on tables, not realizing that, you know, they're putting themselves in huge danger, right? Like they have not seen enough Liam Neeson movies, I guess, to realize, you know, what life is like, right? Outside of their bubble. And I've noticed this a lot. I know it sounds racist, but I've noticed this a lot. And mine, unfortunately, is a little dialed in. So I, I noticed something's going on. And I noticed that the other guys is saying something, the, the Colombian guy who brought these two guys to that old lady. And so, okay, so fine. Some time goes on. And then next thing I know, like four outrageously attractive women get dropped off. I mean, like outrageously attractive, right? And they get dropped off and led in there. And next thing you know, they're sitting next to us. And then now, now I know something is up. Something's going on, right? And so talking to the girls in Spanish and figuring out what's going on. And while these three are getting very drunk and talking about sports and absolutely the most ridiculous thing, like, the, like I, literally four of the most beautiful women they've ever seen are sitting next to them and they're talking about sports and snorting cocaine. It was, it was very weird. And so I find out that these four women are working girls. And they are very expensive working girls. And this, and it turns out, so I'm realizing it is now, it is time for us to leave, right? Like this is time for us to go. We have overstayed our, the whatever line you can get into a dangerous situation right before you're about to cross it. We've overstayed that welcome. We really need to get out of there. So I'm mentioning this to the guy that I'm walking around with. And he's, um, he's like, no, he's like, oh, no, let's a little more because he's having so much fun, right? And he's also probably thinking he's going to get to sleep with these girls, right? And, and you know, and I'm, I'm trying to explain to him that, like, unless you showed up with a lot of money, like, we are now in a situation, right? And then I come, the old lady, 
I'm talking to her a little bit and she comes to inform me that, oh no, uh, you guys have this huge bill. Like we can't let you leave because now you've racked up a crazy amount of money for these four women, a crazy amount of money for the amount of cocaine these guys are doing and the amount of drinks that they're having, right? And I'm like, yeah, but we did not, I'm like, I'm like, we have no part of this, right? We just waltzed in here. Right? And and are are just kind of looking around like we did not order any of this. These other two guys ordered all of this. Well, come to pass that that other Colombian guy saw us standing there, and so he could get an extra commission. Decided to tell that old lady that we are also his clients. So all of this should go on our bill, and obviously he's going to get a huge commission. So we're like, and I'm trying to explain to her that no, that literally none of this is going on. So, of course, uh, you know, I think she walks away to go discuss something. I go back to my guy. I'm like, we need to get out of here right now. So I'm explaining to him what's going on. He's still not getting the picture. I'm like, no, like now our lives are in danger. We need to get out of here right now. Like we can't pay this bill. Another Colombian has, you know, promised that we are going to foot this bill for these crazy people as well. And like we're going to get shot, right? Like any minute now. Right. Because she also knows what's going on. I'm like this. We're not supposed to be here. We did not bring that kind of money. Right. So I finally convinced him to go. We go to leave. And now that I finally convinced this guy and I, I did not want to leave this guy to die either. Right. And we actually had a quick discussion, too. I'm like, once I convinced him what's going on, I'm like, what do you do about these other two guys? And I'm like, I'm like, hopefully they have money. Like, this is a horrible thing to admit, but we can't save them and us as well. Right. This is it's kind of a we didn't debate this long, mind you, just to be full. Full disclosure, I'm no hero, right? I am no action star. So, you know, I'm like trying to get them out. So we're kind of hoping. And and we were kind of mad, at least I was, that these two guys, you know, inadvertently got us in this situation. And they were very obnoxious. These were completely unsavory characters, right? I would have never wanted to hang out with them voluntarily. This Texas old man and this drunk, very belligerent uh, Irish dude who ordered up all these all the women in cocaine and shouting at the top of their lungs, right? They're, they're, they're just not fun to be around at all. So anyways, so this door's chained shut. We are screwed. We can't even sneak out. So we go back, you know, awaiting our fate. And so, you know, and I'm, I'm talking to the girls at least, trying to explain what's going on. And, you know, they were actually very nice and sympathetic. And they're like, uh, and they're like I don't know what to do. They're like, we have no power in this situation either, right? It's not like they have any say to go. I doubt they were there voluntarily, right? So finally, uh, there's music playing. So anyways, this would be the perfect time to have like a commercial break to keep people going. But this is where we are. And we are literally probably less than an hour away from being murdered at this point. Like for sure. All four of us. And who knows what they'll do with the women. They'll probably send them back, right? So anyways, there is... I Like, what do you do in that situation, right? So like, you're in that situation. So of course... My buddy starts drinking again. I don't, I don't drink or use. So I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I'm like, well, while I'm here, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to flirt and have the conversation with these girls. Like I'm going to die in an hour anyway. Right. (laughs) And these, and I did not want to talk to these three guys. They were so outrageously obnoxious and boring at this point. Right. Again, they're snorting cocaine and talking about sports and, you know, their favorite TV shows. Right. They're, they're completely uninteresting on every possible level and annoying. And these four women were not. They had interesting stories to tell. So I'm just kind of talking to them and whatnot. And we're kind of waiting it out. And, you know, the music comes on and they're playing a good playlist. And the music they're playing is very similar to my Spotify Latin music playlist, right? It's kind of all my favorites. It's like all, it's like, you know, Nick Jam songs are coming on, Mark Anthony. 
And so at this point, one of my favorite Mark Anthony songs come on. And um, what am I going to do? So I yell out loud in Spanish, you know, I love this song. And I just start dancing, right? What am I going to do? I'm like, I'm like my, my favorite Mark Anthony song comes on. You know, I'm, you cannot be more in the moment as being, you know, minutes away from your inevitable murder. So I just start dancing. I start salsa dancing and doing whatever I'm doing, right? Lucky for me, one of the working girls thought that that was the cutest, most adorable, hilarious thing she ever saw. And she took it upon herself. We danced. And then she took it upon herself to risk herself to walk away to the old lady working the thing and she talked us out of the situation. So I don't know what she said, what she offered up, but she worked out something where at least I and uh, the guy I walked in with were able to leave. And the old lady the old lady came out and actually talked to me and then and the old lady even gave me this marketing spiel. She's like, well, I hope you come back then for a visit. She's like, you know, it's like it was I mean, it wasn't a tell your friends, but she was like, I hope you come back for a visit sometime and actually, you know, order up some women in trucks for real. Right. As she's unlocking the padlock to the chains to let us out. Right. I'm like, oh, good. Good God. And so uh, me dancing like an Indian man trying to uh, salsa dance literally saved my life. Amazing. Anand, the night that dancing saved your life. I mean, I think there's a definite story in there. And if I'm going to say what's on my mind, I think this is one for Quentin Tarantino. It's brilliant. <laughs> All of it. It's just like, <laughs> this is a really funny story. And I'm sure it wasn't funny in the moment, but listening to it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't once you're kind of dialed into a situation, right? Like, you know how if you're about to get into a mm-hmm. car wreck, you're kind of there and you swerve out of the way, right? You're just not in your pieces together kind of after the fact, right. right? Like almost you're forced in the moment like a deer in headlights, right? Like so it was not a funny situation afterwards, but I will have to admit an hour later we were, you know, in a bar somewhere yep. laughing about it. So. <laughs> just an hour later. See? Yeah, just an hour See later. how short. <laughs> and I did not hang I'm out sure. with that guy again. I'm sure. That is okay, so sure. there was some learning, a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Anand, thank you so much for being on the True Fiction Project today. It's been so much fun talking with you. And before you go, though, tell us where we can find your music. Oh, the best place is Spotify. Spotify. And definitely, I I don't know how many of the fans can actually spell the name Anand, but, you know, A-N-A-N-D-B-H-A-T-T. You know, definitely Spotify is is the best place. And then since COVID, I'm not that active on social anymore. I kind of went off Mm -hmm. the grid a little bit. So and got used to it. I got used to the freedom of not having to post on social. But I am still on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. And, and we will be looking for that season two of Rockstar Recipes as well. For Anand, sure. thank you so much for being a guest on the True Fiction Project. Thank you. My pleasure. I am looking forward to hearing this and other episodes. I oh, really I'm so happy guest. to hear that. We have so much more coming. <laughs> thank you. I'm your host, Renita Hora.
Here at the True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So, if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to the True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 